Thank you for listening to the Streams Church Weekly Sermon Podcast. We are a community that strives to know Jesus and make Him known. If you like our podcast, subscribe and leave us a great rating on Apple Podcasts. Thank you, and we hope you enjoy. Yes, we love the youth. Connect weekend. That's my birthday, March 12th, so have fun at Castles and Coasters on my birthday. Thank you, guys. I didn't get invited, by the way, so I'm sure Isaac will let me go. Um, welcome, everybody. It's so great to be with you. Um, I wanted to give a huge shout out. Um, Matt is going to be our intern worship leader, and so he is a big, huge blessing. We're still looking for a permanent worship leader, um, but uh, Matt, God just kind of put it on his heart to uh, sign up for a three-month commitment, so it's nice because he can still work with the, with the worship team and kind of build some momentum and some cohesion, and so uh, make sure to make Matthew feel welcome, his wife Missy um, as well. So we are definitely happy to, to have him here. So, um, right, let's get to the message. We are in a message um, about the idea and concept of resetting. So, what does it look like as we live in the world, as we live in the culture? What does it look like to look at what the world does versus God's word, and where do we where do we find common ground in that? So, today's message is going to be super practical. It's not going to be a deep, deep theological in the word study, which I do love those, but this is just great practical advice that um, as you live in this world, you're going to deal with the topic. Are you ready? Contentment. Oh, you're like already tuning out. I don't need to hear this. Oh, this, I'll tell you what, let's, let's define contentment. It's up on the screen here. The definition of contentment it's emotional state of satisfaction, at ease with one's situation, body, mind, and having accepted one's situation. Does that describe you this morning? <laughs> um, I'll tell you why I love this topic. Actually, I'm quite passionate about this because as I have lived my life and now I have a chance to raise children, I think about the lessons that I want to impart, some of the values that I want to impart to my children. What is it that when they, when I'm done with this parenting season, like what are some of the top values? You know, like relationship with God, that's really important. You know, treating others, you know, well and loving others. And, um, you know, all the different values that we think of that are really, really, you know, good values. I would put contentment right there on the top of this list. Because I think I have struggled my life with materialism and things and comparison, and I realize that that's really a life of torment. If somebody is never satisfied with what they get, even if they accomplish one thing, there's always one higher rung on the ladder. And it's, it's a damaging, destructive cycle to live in a life where your life is filled with never being happy, never being satisfied with what you've got. So the Bible's got some really, really great things to say about this. But before we jump into that, I just want to ask, if you're real with yourself, what would be your level of contentment in your life? <laughs> uh, I don't want to answer that. Okay, so you get on the room if you're over here. No, I wouldn't do that. <laughs> um, but how would I rate the level of my contentment? If you had a fuel gauge like this, what would that look like? How happy are you with what you drive, with where you live, with how you look, with 
the current level of your weight <laughs> when you get on that scale. What does it look like? You know, uh, are you thin? Are you be like, how content are you? And so we have to ask ourselves, because culture very rarely brings up this topic, but we have to ask ourselves, how much time do I really spend in trying to get more stuff, better stuff, newer stuff, guys, cooler techie stuff, <laughs> right? How much energy does it take to like always get the newest, latest, greatest thing? All the mental energy of wanting more, the pursuit of beauty, the pursuit of impressing people. And I think all of us, we, would, we realize it would be great to be satisfied with what we have. It'd be great to be contentment. It'd be great to, to have a full level on this tank. And I also realize that there's a lot of people who are dealing with very difficult times right now. Um, difficult times maybe in relationships, broken, broken relationships, stressful times, health challenges that you're dealing with, financial stresses, marital stresses, challenges with your kids and your family. And so it'd be incredibly insensitive for me to stand up here and be like, you know what? Be happy with everything you have. That's why I, I think I love the Bible is because it doesn't sugarcoat that we will have problems. And Jesus himself said in Matthew 16, he says, you will have troubles in this life. You will have troubles in this life. And he modeled that as well. It's not like he came from heaven and lived in this great palace and he had all these servants that just served him and then said, oh, hey, by the way, you should be content. No, his life was struggle. It was difficult. He had political pressure and all sorts of challenges that he lived through. And so we are going to look at two people in the Bible today. We're going to look at the, the people of the Apostle Paul and we're going to look at King Solomon. And um, I think I love, the, um, I love the saying that we have here at Streams, that it's, it's okay to not be okay, right? It's okay not to be okay. We, we put on this happy face, but honestly, it's okay because I think a lot of us who are struggling with things, there's other people in the room that you'll find who have gone through those things and who are now on the other side of that storm. And so that's why I love the body of God, because he puts us all together, and the gifts that you have and the strengths that you have will benefit others. And that's why I love, I love small group time. I love the Bible lessons on more, you know, Sunday morning and Tuesday and all, all the different groups that we have is because we can really rub together. Um, but being content in America is a challenge. Um, I loved Isaac's message. Uh, he did a great job. Didn't he, the youth team last week? doing an amazing job. And I'm not sure about you, but when he threw up the picture of these shoes, maybe you're like, you know what? I've been thinking about these shoes all week long. And honestly, Sean, it makes sense that you're talking about contentment because I feel like if my life had those shoes, that needle and that fuel gauge, no? Okay. If you've got $547, I mean, they're available, right? Westgate, I think he said. Oh, you have to pay taxes. Oh, yeah. Okay, that's true. So I know that this is a, a, a very uh, interesting, unique subject. So I thought it would be fun to bring a little game show into this lesson. Are you guys okay with that? Can we have a little fun in church? Okay, so it's going to be our version of Let's Make a Deal. So we have three, 
three curtains. So I need three players. This is completely unrehearsed. If you would like, okay, come on, come on. I have two right here. Oh, let's just go all three. Boom, boom, boom. All right, here we go. Here we go. So in game show fashion, we need uh, you to uh, introduce yourself, uh, say who you are and where you're from. Okay, Adina Russell. Okay. From all over. No. From all over. <laughs> from all over. That's from it? Over. That's it. Okay, okay, good. Okay. Um, I'm uh, David Miglio, and I'm from here. From here. From Arizona. A resident in the state and Litchfield Park resident. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. Just a couple uh, Litchfield Park. Okay, go ahead. Tell us uh, all about yourself. Um, my name is Angelina Cook. I was born in Riverside, California, but I moved to Arizona when I was two. All right, give him a hand. Give him a hand. Okay, so Angelina, uh, we're going to go ahead and start with you. So come on over. You get to go first. Ladies first. Ladies first. So here's, here's three prizes. We have curtain one. Curtain two, curtain three. You guys are all with me. I can feel it already. <laughs> curtain one, two, or three. Now, these represent things that we all wanted. These were top Christmas gifts. These were things that we wanted, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, what is, your, what, what is your choice? Would you like curtain one, two, or three? Babe, what do you think? Oh, good, good, perfect. <laughs> One, two, or three? Three. Three? Three, okay, you're going three. Okay, here we go. Are you ready? Be, be thinking. Be thinking. Okay, here we go. Oh, here, I'll have you hold this. Oh, okay. This is a good one. It is the Circa 1975 Tupperware Pitcher. Yep. Yep, here you go. Now, there's two people in this world. Either you had this, or you convinced people to buy it. Where's all my Tupperware people? Tupperware reps in the room? Oh, oh you had it. Okay, well, great job. Thanks for playing. All right, stick around. You can stick around. Okay, um, you're, you're up next here. Here we go. Come on, have you chosen? Have you, you want to ask your husband? He's not. Oh. He is serving somewhere. Now there's a prize in here. There's a prize in here that actually shaped my identity as a child. Like this is what I lived for. I lived for this thing. It, it, was, it was bigger than Jesus at that time. I'll be honest. I'll just, I'll be honest. What do you think? Would you like number two? Okay, I'm going to sweeten the pot. I'm going to sweeten the pot a little bit. You can choose a curtain, or you can choose envelope one, two, or three. Hmm. Curtain or envelope? What do you think? Oh, she's going two. All right, all right. Okay, David, you're up. Which one do you want? Would you, I'll make you the same deal. Would you like envelope one, three, or curtain two, or one? What would you like? Curtain two. Okay, this is a big one. This is the Apple iPod Mini. Whoa! You guys. 
We're talking, hold on a second. We're talking a thousand songs in your pocket. This got rid of this guy. Remember this? Do you remember this? This is, look, Michael W. Smith. Come on, just like, man. No, you don't. Sorry. <laughs> hold on. Hold on. You get to choose an envelope, though. Okay, choose an envelope. That's my wife's. I got her that, so she wouldn't like it. But she probably doesn't know that I still kept this. You should, I should keep it? I feel like it's like the progressive ad move in the insurance. Like I still have that. Okay, you guys want to see what was under uh, curtain number one? Okay, this was the big one. You ready? This is the ninth. This is the Nintendo Entertainment System. Yep, we have Con we have Contra. We have we have Kawari Brothers. We have we have oh this was huge. Mike Tyson's Punch Out. Come on. Yep. You got a blow in it. Okay. Well, thank you guys for playing. I have a little envelope for you as well. Nope, sorry. This is, I'll let you borrow it. I'll let you borrow it. You still want it. Thank you, guys. Great job. Thank you, guys. But I'll tell you what, aren't these things, like, ridiculous? Like, if you showed up rocking the iPod, you're like, what is that? Like, I don't even have this adapter anymore, you know? Like, they change things. So the, the funny thing is, is what we really, really want today will probably be on this shelf in 10 years, right? I don't use this iPod anymore, right? I just say, hey, Alexa, play the song we don't want to know about Bruno, or whatever it's called, right? And I, I haven't gone to the record store, I haven't bought it, opened up the package, put it in my CD player. Like, it just plays magical. I don't even get it. And you guys are like, oh, you have an Alexa. Oh, lucky. The Alexa will be up here someday. So I want to turn our attention to the Bible. Let's get back to church here. Did you guys like that? All right, okay. So King Solomon, he's one of my favorite Bible characters. He's one of the, my favorite people in the Bible because King Solomon, he was the son of King David. The David and Goliath, all that stuff. King Solomon was his son. He's a fascinating um, character to study in the Bible, but he wrote the book of Ecclesiastes. So at the very end of his life, he had all this stuff. He tried to get all this happiness, and he had fortune and fame and wealth and beautiful women and wives. I mean, like, he had it all. So just to give you a little context of what this guy was about, his annual salary with gold, he received 25 tons of gold a year. So I had to do some math because that, that's too big of a number for me to understand. But this guy's daily income was about $3 million a day. Like, what do you do with that kind of money? Like, what do you even spend three... <laughs> Good one. Thanks, Tony. Good. <laughs> Apparently, you buy those shoes. You're that guy. They should call him the King Solomon. But we are going to learn some lessons from King Solomon. So in Ecclesiastes 4, 4, it says this. It says, I observed that most people are motivated to succeed. Oh, no. Most people. Most people 
are motivated to succeed because they envy their neighbors. Hmm. I, nobody can relate to that, right? Nobody can relate to that. He said this is too is meaningless. It's like chasing after the wind. Here's the, here's the point, and we all know this. You guys are smart. We know that comparison robs you of contentment. It is the thief of you being content. And I almost picture it like cancer. Like comparison is cancer. And we see signs of this, unfortunately, even in the church. You sit there and you're like, man, if I was as gifted as that person, or if I could sing like her, or if I could pray like this person, man, this person's just so great and gifted and you just, I'm just not that person. I'm not as important. And that's the lie that creeps in, right? But the Bible gives us that we are a body, that we all need each other to function. And when one part of the body is out, it affects the whole body. So comparison really is a major, major problem. We need to avoid it. He goes on in um, chapter 5, verses 10 and 12. He says, those who love money will never have enough. We are never satisfied. He has dollars in day. He realizes, hey, it's never going to be enough. How meaningless to think that wealth will bring true happiness. He said, people who work hard sleep well, whether they eat little or much, but the rich seldom get a good night's sleep. He says, the richer you are is not going to make you more at peace. He says, um, um, the more attractive you are, the more successful you are, it doesn't really matter. It's not going to bring you true happiness and contentment. And we look at people that are famous. They have fame, fortune, wealth, beauty, all this stuff, but their lives aren't pictures of everything that's great. Like, I would hate to be famous. Like, oh, I would not want that pressure. So these are lessons that we can learn from King Solomon. Um, here's, here's, the main, here's another main idea. It says, Ecclesiastes 4.6. Uh, this, is, this is great. If you, have it, if you have your Bibles, underline this. Here's what he tells us. He says, better is one handful with tranquility, or another version might say peace or quietness, than trying to go after two handfuls with toil and chasing the wind. So, here we have a picture of, you know what, if I'm working, if I'm doing my best, if I'm pursuing and I'm keeping a work-life balance, if I'm able to enjoy a Sabbath day and take a day off, if I can be okay with one handful and working hard and sleeping well, that is much better than trying to go for more, <laughs> a better thing. More money, more pursuit, more this and that. Because he's saying this is like chasing after the wind. It doesn't say that after you go for two handfuls, you're going to get it. But it says it's worthless. It's meaningless. And so I thought of, you know, setting up a big fan and having a, a challenge where two people try to collect win the most wind in 30 seconds. But we all know, like, that is stupid. And I've already had a great illustration, right? You can't have two. <laughs> But what is this like? And I think about the TV show American Idol, right? I loved watching that show, especially in the first couple sessions. Oh, look at me, see? 
Here's the idea. Chasing after the wind is as ridiculous as me auditioning for the American Idol show, right? Be like, okay, Sean, that show's about dead, number one. I don't even know if it's still going on. Number two, you are well over the age. They're not looking for people who are 46 years old, right? And a sequence vest. That is a great vest. <laughs> number three, Sean, you can't sing. These are all realities that I face. So me going after being the American Idol is as ridiculous as you going after that second handful and trying to be satisfied. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to think of the next time you compare and be like, wow, I wish I had that car. I wish I had a cabin. I wish I had a pool in my backyard. I wish I had this. I wish I had that. Trying to compare or trying to go after something that God has not put in your life is as meaningless as auditioning for the American Idol. Except for you, Becca, you might win. <laughs> but seriously, it's like chasing after the wind. The odds are against you, they're not in your favor, and even if I was the American Idol, that doesn't mean that all the problems in my life are gone, right? So King Solomon is telling us at the end of his life, he's had it all, he's done it all, and he's saying it's not worth it. Be content and be satisfied with what you have. Um, he says this, uh, he says here's, here's kind of the wind. Here's the win in life, if we can get this. He says, uh, verse, uh, chapter 5, 18 and 20, he says, It's good for people to eat and drink and enjoy their work under the sun during their short life God has given them to accept their lot in life. And it's a good thing to receive wealth from God and good health to enjoy it, to enjoy your work and accept your lot in life. This is indeed a gift of God. God keeps such people so busy enjoying life that they will have no time to broad over the past. Imagine if you were so busy enjoying your life that you didn't stew over the past that you really did enjoy the gift that God has put in front of you, that, you know what, I can be happy with one handful. And Lord, I do want this. I do want a spouse, or I do want more friends, or I do want whatever, but Lord, I'm going to put that in your hand, and I'm not going to strive and stew over it, because I'm going to be satisfied with what you have, what you've given me. Isn't that, that's what King Solomon is saying. He's saying, going after more isn't better. And this is what I want for you. This is really what I want for my kids. If they can enjoy their work and be satisfied, that is the life I want for them. And the news flash is this. <laughs> Your life's not going to be perfect. It's always going to have problems. Always going to have problems. And it's always going to have good things, right? And no matter what season you're in, things shift and change. And I feel like God has put this in our path so that we can rely on him, so that we can lean on him. I know my prayer life goes up a lot when I'm dealing with struggles, right? I know my prayer life goes up when my bank account's down. And I'm like, Lord, you got to help me, right? And he is faithful. He is good. And so I feel like there's, there's a part of our soul that only God can fill. That no matter how much you achieve or how much success you get, there's a part in God that only he can fill that spot. And so that's why I love what Paul says. 
Um, and this is for you, for those who are dealing with struggles, those who are dealing with challenges. He says this, and this is, this is the point that I really want to drive home. Paul is um, dealing with major challenges. He's in house arrest. He's facing a political system. He can't go out and work or make money. He can't plan his five-year goals. He is at the mercy of he might be killed when he goes. He doesn't know when his court date is. He might live. He doesn't know what's going on. And here's the advice he tells to the church, who's also being persecuted. He says, rejoice. And I feel like that's the message that God wants to give us. Re rejoice. Rejoice not in your circumstances, not in your singleness or your challenged marriage or whatever that looks like, but rejoice in the Lord always. Your contentment, your satisfaction is going to be in the Lord. It's going to be in Jesus. He's given us his Holy Spirit to be our comforter, to be our counselor, to help us, to be our helper. We can only find true satisfaction and true contentment if we're centered in Christ. If we're centered in Christ. This made me really happy as a child. I love this. I love saving the princess in Mario Brothers. <laughs> but I don't get any satisfaction in doing it today. <laughs> it's too hard. I tried. <laughs> Our satisfaction is going to be in Christ. I don't know what the next latest and greatest thing is. But no matter how many friends I have, no matter what house I live in, what car I drive, my bank account, my relationships, my present circumstances, whether I'm in health or sickness, Paul says, rejoice. He found the secret. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say, Rejoice. Don't be anxious. It says the Lord is near. Don't be anxious about anything. But in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. And Isaac, I think, shared this verse last week. It's so great. It's so great. You see, gratitude is the gateway to contentment. Being thankful. Gratitude is the gateway to contentment. It's almost like this, as I close. It's almost like God's paved this road that as long as we're in him, if we're centered in prayer, if we're centered in rejoicing and being content, the road is smooth. But if we start to compare and we keep our eyes off Jesus and we turn to the right or to the left and we're like, hey, I think I could take a shortcut down there and I'll just veer off the road or, you know what, this looks fun. They're having a lot of fun. My life as a Christian isn't all that fun. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go over here to the right. And you start hitting the rocks. And you start banging up your car and your life gets banged up. And you're like, whoa, this isn't fun. You see, we have to stay centered on Christ because he is the source of our satisfaction. And you can say, you know what, Lord, I don't like these circumstances in my life. I don't feel like this is something to rejoice about. But I think Paul learned that he could take those challenges and those circumstances that were not his favorite and say, I hate this. 
I'm not happy about it. I don't like it. But in the waiting, Paul did some amazing letters to the churches that we're still talking about thousands of years later. What does that look like for you? Taking your things to God and saying, I don't like this, but your gift, according to Ecclesiastes, is you're going to give me satisfaction. Or you can give me the peace of God that transcends all of this stuff in my life. Lord, I need that peace. I need that peace. I want to be on that road that even though things are not working out, I can still be centered in your peace. What if we were a church that had that type of contentment and peace? Wouldn't that be attractional to others? So as we close, I just, I just want you to have a space with you and God just to talk and say, Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me? What are you saying to me? What do you want for my life? In what areas do I need to maybe repent for comparing my life to others or not finding satisfaction in the season that you've given me? Lord, help me to rejoice more in you. Teach me what that's like. So as we play this song, this is our time to reflect. And this is really the most important time of the service because this is where the Holy Spirit can speak to your heart, where you can hear from God and what he has to say is far beyond what I can say. So just ask yourself, what are you, what are you saying to me right now? Mm -hmm.